Today's episode of Podcast by Committee is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think NFL tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It could save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discover the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last minute tickets. to podcast by committee ultra super duper fantasy edition here on the thursday show or whenever you're listening to it i suppose i'm not Afino, your host with me today an old friend we used to do this back on the uh, sirius xm show on mondays if i remember this correctly michael salvina pleasure to be here nando it's great to have you man this is, it's always fun to have you on because um you have a unique point of view on things yes that's what people tell me <laughs> And it's also very honest and genuine, as you noted, you hadn't looked at the rundown that we uh, crafted and put time into and sent to you. So, well, I, I, I did, I did look at. I said I didn't study it. Now, now, yeah. quote me accurately, Nando. Yeah, I said sorry. I didn't study it. I did look at it. Um, I did. Uh, so there are a bunch of fantasy football questions coming up, and I know this is like a cardinal sin for a fantasy show where you don't start with fantasy. I promise you, this is just going to take like thirty seconds. But last night on Twitter. Salfino revealed that his father invented uh, fries and gravy. And then, oh, your dad yep. invested dis- disco fries? And you're like, no, 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 not, not the cheese part, just the fries and gravy part. Yes, that's that's true. You know, you never know um, what your family tells you, whether it's true or not. Like, you're, you know, it could be like uh, your great-great-grandfather was an Eskimo. Like, okay, like, I don't know. Is that true? But this was sort of first generation. And also it was always told to me by like the the – person at the falls at the old falls view diner in patterson the, the owner whenever i would order french fries with gravy when i was a kid so yeah you know i mean he said hey you know that gravy you put on the roast beef why don't you throw some of that on my french fries and that became a thing in the mid 50s patterson new jersey before poutine canadians <laughs> um so, you know, that's that's right. the and it's funny because I went to the hot grill in Clifton, which is kind of like an offshoot of the old Falls View Diner in Patterson. And I had always said this, you know, half joking to my kids. Right. And, and, and to my wife. So we're all there at the booth. And who walks in but the owner of the old Falls View Diner, who's like 80 years old now. And he sees me and I must look like I look like when I was a kid. And he goes, Michael Salfino. And then he comes and sits down with us and he tells my wife the first words out of his mouth to my wife and my kids were, do you know that your grandfather invented French fries with gravy? (laughs) So (laughs) it was like owned all of you for your skepticism. Well, thank you, Mr. Salfino, for uh, for doing that, because it's one of my favorite things in the whole wide world. Let's get into fantasy football. You ready, Salfino? I am. Let's go. Let's do this. I want to get to your story, but uh, I want to lead off with just a quickie. I got an over-under for you. Okay. Um, Damian Williams, who, you know, I'm editing you. I'm not 100% sure if you're a fan or not. Like, it's it's tough to tell because... No. No, okay, you're not. So I'm going to guess this will be an under. I'm going to do an over-under of Damian Williams' 70 total yard games the rest of the season, 6.5. First of all, here's the thing with Damian Williams. I get the fact that it was a good speculative play and um, he could have been a zero running back, but he should have been drafted as a zero running back, but he was drafted in the second and third round. That was crazy given he was 27 years old, had very little NFL pedigree, had no draft pedigree. um, And it was too speculative and assuming too much loyalty for a player who's never really earned any loyalty from a coaching staff. So now we're at, we're into week six and Damien Williams in the high powered uh one of one of the highest powered offenses in nfl history has it doesn't he have like 57 yards on 31 carries i mean isn't it like something completely, that's actually very good that is exactly it, what he has 
It, see, see, this is off the top of my head, Nando. Um, but Scott Pianowski and I were talking about this on my Breakfast Table podcast that I do with Scott. Um, Go ahead, plug it. Go ahead, plug it. Av- available on, on, on Patreon. Um, but that has to be, in the context of this offense, probably one of the all-time most anemic performances in fantasy running back history. And this is a guy who still somehow has has the job. Like, Andy Reid seems to still be all in on Damian Williams as a number one back, but it's an untenable situation. You can't be that bad and keep your job, especially when LaShawn McCoy has been relatively effective. And I want to see Daryl Williams and Darwin Thompson. All right, so you're not a fan of Damian Williams. So we're going to go the other on that one. How about one? Will he have one 80 total yard game this season? Or is this all downhill from here? I just can't see. I think that if he continues to be fed touches, he he will definitely do that because anybody would in this offense. But I, I think it's unlikely at this point that he continues to be even a 1A back. I think he's his role is going to slide. And I think at some point, given the way defenses are playing the the uh, Chiefs, they're going to have to explore their other options at running back, um, be, even besides LaShawn McCoy, to see if they could find something that's that's uh, more explosive and reliable. Uh, would you uh, let's say you you've got tight end problems, um, and you've got Damian Williams as your running back, and at this point you've benched him because of the the, the games and the injuries and whatever. Uh, would you would you take on OJ Howard in exchange for Damian Williams? Howard's another guy, man. Like you know the. The, the narrative was Arians was a, is a good coach. He's going to use his talent, and O.J. Howard is an enormous talent. Now, I totally agree with that last part. O.J. Howard, if he was uh, targeted at a reasonable level, would be one of the most dynamic uh, receiving options maybe in, in the history of the position. I mean, the guy's um, yards per target and his efficiency is just completely off the charts. It's something we've never even seen before. but Arians doesn't like tight ends like he never has. He probably never will. And so you're in a situation now where no matter how much volume there is in the Bucks passing game, Howard never gets fed. So I don't see how, you know, you could you could just say the team is stupid. They should be smarter. So I'm going to bet on the team being smarter and utilizing this enormous weapon. Um, But but we're so far into the season now that I think you have to accept the reality in fantasy that Howard is just an afterthought in this offense. So but basically, you know, those are two guys that are they're 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 both droppable. Like if you need the if you need the tight end, uh, sure. But Williams right now, as things stand, has a more prominent role, obviously, in his offense. It's just whether or not you buy my theory that 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 can't last. So, uh, you know, to me, it's it's a it's a fair trade, but I, I don't really like either player. Um, let's get into your story because you had a really good story. And the next question kind of goes right, segues out of that. Um, you, uh, you had a great story. It was red zone yards per game. And you no, red zone, went, red zone, red zone possessions per I'm game. I'm sorry, possessions per game. And uh, you, you actually went in and looked at uh, like basically the teams that were leading in, in that category. And um, you said there's a, there's a correlation with a lot of teams. Well, I don't want to take words out of your mouth. Just stop me with doing with, this wrong. with point with points per game. So basically, right. red zone possessions per game should equal points per game because the vast majority of of touchdowns obviously come in the red zone. So if you get into the red zone, that's sort of the strike zone for fantasy football. We all know this in, in, instinctively, right? We get excited. We 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 move to the edge of our seat when a team gets into the red zone. So um, it should correlate, and it does. Like thirteen teams are within two ranking points. Uh, when you look at their ranking in red zone possessions per game and their ranking in points per game. So that shows you that the stat is bettable. So what we're doing is we're looking for the extreme outliers. And the most extreme outlier by far in either direction it, uh, are the uh, Arizona Cardinals, who are fourth in red zone possessions per game, but like 21st in points per game. Yeah, so that's, crazy. that's so that So basically, instead of scoring 20 points per game, they're red, they're, they're, the number of possessions that they have in the red zone suggests that they should, that they, they, they are descriptively, thus far in the season, a 30-point-per-game offense. So if you are willing to bet that that's going to be their level of scoring going forward, and I think that's a reasonable bet, um, then there's some values, obviously, in the Cardinals' offense in terms of fantasy, and the leader 
as far as that is concerned is is uh uh is murray who you know kyler murray right now is like qb10 even though he doesn't seem to have done anything and and that's in points per game so it's factoring in the the buys at the quarterback position and this suggests that he should be like the qb5 and so if you're betting on Murray being the QB5 going forward, I think it's reasonable. And I don't think anybody's going to make you pay for that if you're willing to uh, uh, make a trade for a quarterback, which I don't necessarily advise. But the thing that's interesting about Murray, obviously, is his uh, ability to generate yards and touchdowns rushing. Well, I thought like, it's, it's kind of eye-opening because you put the chart out there. You gave a link to it and uh, just copied and pasted it into the story, too. Um New England has four red zone possessions per game. Kansas City has four red zone possessions per game. And Arizona has four red zone possessions. Like, you're putting them in, like, elite company. You're not. They're in elite company. Yeah. Um, and they're just, not, they're just not finishing, basically. Exactly. And the theory is, and this is the theory that the Sharps have in Vegas and the guys like uh, Massey and Peabody, who, you know, I, I worked with way back in their Yale days, um, the people right. who want, kind of forecast. It's, it's been five minutes. No. You got to plug something else, right? No, no, I'm just I'm just giving credit where credit's know, due to, to, to Kate and Rufus. <laughs> but 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 um, so basically the, the red zone efficiency is not is 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 not remotely bettable, like no, no Sharps who predict. Uh, games look at red zone efficiency. So the way to approach a stat like that, that is highly random, is to just assume a average level of efficiency in converting red zone possessions into touchdowns. Um, now, obviously, there may be a team or two that's just is uniquely good or bad at scoring in the red zone. But as a base rate, we we have to assume that it's random and thus should be average. So it should regress and they should score more points. Is exactly what the, is what the data says and so you should be chasing Arizona Cardinals exactly right now that's it's difficult to do um, for a couple reasons right now David Johnson is making a killing as a receiver but the Arizona passing game is, has no explosion and it's not really functioning well so you would assume that they're going to have to involve the receivers more none of them have really been effective and there's been real no downfield component to the Arizona passing game so um, and Larry Fitzgerald is very old and he would be the guy that you would look to in the red zone the other guys are owned if you're looking for like free loot on the waiver wire i think Keyshawn johnson even though he's a rookie is a is a reasonable guy to get like you could get him literally as a first come first serve right now on waivers uh zero you damian, Will- you damian williams for him no, I, I wouldn't drop. I'm not dropping Damian Williams until uh, because he is right now the 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 number one running back based on the last game on the offense that we would expect to be the, the highest scoring offense in football. So he's not. He's definitely not a drop. But um, here's here, my my approach with Williams would be the first time he shows a pulse, I'm trading him. I'm trying to recoup right. even fourth round val- value for him. Fair enough. I'm sorry to interrupt. You want to roll? No, no, no. That was it. All right. I, I was okay. done, I was yeah. I was done with that segment, Nando. <laughs> All right. Let me let me uh, let me turn this then into a little game. I I true false game. I would drop Matthew Stafford for Kyler Murray, just based off this Kyler Murray regression in a good way that we're that we should be expecting. Like I think you said that Murray, if he regresses and if he had regressed over these first five games, um, you know, should be like QB should be five. I think you you went yeah. to the point and he's like QB five. Yeah, exactly. That that would be that would be the expectation. If I didn't know anything about, uh, if I only knew red zone possessions per game and looked at his rushing yards, I would say that he was about the QB five in terms of the points that you would expect the Cardinals to have generated and and the touchdowns by now. But um, I, I kind of I, I do like Stafford, who is averaging eight yards per passing attempt. That's a team that obviously wants to run. Uh, so I think that that's a good trade. However, as a caveat, I do want to point out because I feel obligated to say this. I wrote this article for Yahoo last year. I've cited it at the Athletic. Um, the the Yahoo data. I had them pull it for years going back because this was always my suspicion. Even in one quarterback leagues, the average team in a one quarterback league averages 1.96 quarterbacks per team. So in one quarterback league, and that's every week of the season. Right. So we all play in two quarterback leagues. The idea in the leagues that we play in, Nando, we could we could, uh, you know, maybe pick up a a guy like Murray on waivers and and swap Stafford for him or something like that, because, you know, teams are only going to roster one quarterbacks 
the one quarterback in most of our in most of our expert leagues. But that's just not the reality in which um, most teams play. And if you're in a league like that, you really kind of have to go with the crowd and draft two quarterbacks because the waiver wire. Then, if there is an injury or if you need somebody, is just too uh, sparse. I mean, I don't, I don't want to come across as an elitist like you just did. I play in leagues with normal people, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and and they have more quarterbacks, <laughs> right? Right. But what I'm saying is, they have more, they have more quarterbacks. In my home league, it's a 14 team league. Everybody owns two quarterbacks. I try to go without uh, two quarterbacks often, but mo- many times I'm like, okay, I have to take another quarterback because I don't feel great about my starter. So you know, you're you're. League context determines everything, and the league context for most one quarterback leagues is that there that there is not the kind of late round quarterback streaming options on the waiver wire that that we have come to expect in the leagues that that we play in, where people are more um, you know conservative in terms of rostering quarterbacks. Like they're 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 going to utilize those roster spots uniformly on on more premium fantasy positions, but. Right. Most people don't play that way. Oh, I think I think we're going to see a lot more super flex leagues like next year. I feel like oh, a lot I, of people I, are buzzing about it. it right? It, it, yeah, super super flex to me is the way to go. I mean, because you want to be able to replicate in 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 fantasy, right? Like, what's the purpose of fantasy? You want to feel like you're sort of like building like a a real team or at least a real offense. And it's so absurd that the most important position in the NFL by far is is the least important of the skill player positions in our game. That's right. just a crazy thing. So, and I like so making, Superflex I like addresses that, that. I'm like, okay, so I have, you know, uh, you know, Luke Falk is on the waiver wire last week. And uh, you know what I mean? Like kind of like the bottom dudes on a typical two QB Superflex waiver wire. And you're like, geez, do, uh, do I start him or do I start Jalen Samuels? It just makes it, I, well, like the, I like these choices. These kind of choices make it good for me. Instead well, of like Jalen Samuels is, or, you know, uh, Daryl Henderson. I, I strongly recommend that if you're in a two quarter, if you're in a super flex format, you have to attack the quarterback position aggressively. That's uh, that's my rote um, uh, draft or auction recommendation that you have to go after these guys. You don't necessarily have to have the first and second quarterback. I, I don't think that's advisable, but you should have two quarterbacks that are in your QB one bucket if you're playing in a super flex format. So like in the Scott Fishbowl nine, I have Murray and Matt Ryan as my quarterbacks. Like, you know, I really made it a point to uh, to take quarterbacks and I have a third quarterback in Josh Rosen, but God help me if I had to start Rosen every week in the fishbowl, like that would be a disaster. Dude, my, my fishbowl team sucks. I'm, I think it's I'm like two and three. It sucks, but it's two and three. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those, I just don't like it. It might as well I'm be five. On five. I'm five and zero. Oh. I'm ninetieth percentile, but it's all Eckler and uh, Brita uh, last week, and I just don't think that those things are sustainable. I think they're great zero running backs, but I don't think they're carrying my team. My wide receivers that were supposed to carry my team um, are not. The quarterbacks have been fine, but I just don't have the confidence going forward that those two guys are going to perform at you know, top tier running back levels. I think they're going to be great zero running backs, but I, I just, I, I see a, a regression in terms of their fantasy production. Yeah. I don't know. I have Odo Beckham, but I have DJ Chark. Like I can't, I don't even know what I did this year to get like that kind of weird. Chark, Chark NATO. That's, that's I know, right. Great. You know, I mean, look, Chark, here's the thing that I, that that I've done. I was a skeptic on Minshew because the model called for skepticism. But then the way that I operate is once something becomes uh, crosses the threshold from unlikely to likely, I flip the switch. So then it becomes like a, it's a binary thing. So I was out on Minshew. Um, but now I'm all in on Minshew because he has crossed that Rubicon to to it being likely that he's actually a good player and a good fantasy player. So you consider yourself the all-in kid? Well, pretty much, yeah. You know, that, that's the thing. Like, no, people I'm joking. Say I'm making that, a Jake joke. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> that, that, that is the, the, thing, the, thing about, the thing about it, though, that's true, is that, uh, you know, even though I'm, like, probabilistic in nature, at some point you have to give actionable advice, so you have to – you can't hedge everything on saying, oh, there's a 33% chance that this is a bad call. Like, if it's over the threshold, you just have to say this – 
you know, you have to you have to be firm in betting that that thing is going to happen. But even though you know that that it that there's a good chance that it won't. Let me ask you this question, uh, philosophical, and then we'll get back to the fun stuff where I'm going to make Mike give me five words on a guy, four words on a guy, three words on a guy. Anyway. He's going to make me count uh, words, people. Like, do you believe this? Well, do you please. believe I have to count words? This. But, but You're a professional. Ahead. Do you have, do you find yourself, and it's, I don't think you do, but do you find yourself having like a fantasy baseball hangover in the, in the sense that like right now, OJ Howard's on my team and it's week six and I haven't dropped him yet because I'm like, Oh, I'll turn around and whatever, whatever. And I've, I've, I've over the last three or four years, I've changed my entire fantasy football philosophy where I like to play for the end game now. Like I want, like I, I got Kareem Hunt on my roster. I traded away for Saquon Barkley. Like I want weeks nine through, I guess sixteen, but really like weeks nine through thirteen. If I'm sitting like five hundred, that's great because I know my team is built for like this end game run where I'm going to destroy everybody and roll with momentum into the playoffs. Um, he, and I think that keeps pulling me back, but it, I don't know. Here's the here's the danger for people who play fantasy baseball and fantasy football. Fantasy baseball is a game and baseball itself is a game of true skill level. You, you know, so when OJ Howard in baseball, you would be like, OJ Howard's good. He's going to be good. I, he's just a good player. And there's nothing stopping OJ Howard, the, the OJ Howard in baseball from performing in fantasy, assuming that he's actually playing in the lineup. Right. But football is not a game of true skill level. True skill level is utterly meaningless in football. The only thing that matters in football is your usage and the the your environment for scoring points, your your team, it's totally contextualized. So you can never say in football this guy is just good, so he's going to be good. Uh like Juju Smith-Schuster now. He's good. Like I have no doubt that Juju Smith-Schuster has a true skill level. Let me stipulate that. However, his environment right now is just simply not conducive to scoring in fantasy football. So that's he can't overcome that. In other words, there's maybe one one the 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 99th percentile receiver in NFL history can overcome his environment in football, like a Terrell Owens, for example, right? Um, yeah. But, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster's maybe like a 93rd or 95th percentile receiver. He's not He's not Terrell Owens. He's not going to carry his quarterbacks and just and just crush it no matter who's throwing him the ball. Yeah. I, I don't know. But, like, what if he does? Like, what if next week he has 100? Well, Smith-Schuster's a bad example because we're going to talk about Devlin Hodges in a minute. But, uh, you know, what, what if O.J. Howard just pops up this week with, like, a 12-10, 1-12, touchdown game? Man, I want to make a. You you want you're you're making me want to make a bug bet. I want to say I will eat a live tarantula on YouTube if OJ Howard gets twelve targets this week. I'm not going to say that, but that you're pushing me, Nando, by saying that OJ Howard's going to get twelve. I just don't consider that even remotely in the realm of possibility. Right. But so it's it, not like saying the hangover. Uh, that I'm talking. Right, but it's not like saying, oh, you know, and, and Juan Soto never slumps. But just say Juan Soto next year is hitting, you know, uh, 219 on, on May 23rd. You're right. going to be like, no, it's Juan Soto. Like, he's going to be great. And you know he's going to – because he's going to keep playing and he's going to be expressing his Juan Soto true skill level almost certainly – at some point in the season, because that's just the way baseball works. Football is just a totally different animal. So, right. and which, I, which is where it gets confusing for me because I drop OJ Howard. Next week he goes off because they game planned OJ Howard for this game, or because OJ Howard went off on Jameis Winston in the locker room saying, I'm open here. Like, look at this film. I'm open here. Why aren't you throwing it to me? And so, like, for the next four games, he's a monster. And I'm like, well, I just gave him away to, you know, my worst enemy in my football league. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, how how much is somebody going to actually trade you for OJ Howard right now? Well, you know now, what I mean. Right? Like I released him and he picked him up on the waiver wire. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And look, if OJ Howard is on the waiver wire, I could see kind of like leaning into that a little bit just because the pickings are so slim. But um, you know, for example, Austin Hooper right now is the tight end one in fantasy football and PPR yeah. and points per game. Tight end one. Austin Hooper, like it makes zero sense. The only guy benefiting in the Atlanta Falcons offense at their 700 plus pass attempt rate is Austin Hooper. Now, if I had told you in August that 
oh, it's week six, and Matt Ryan is on pace for throwing over 700 passes, you would be like, oh, my God, Julio Jones must be on on pace for like right. 140 catches and 2,200 receiving yards, smashing every record in the history of fantasy football. Calvin but, Ridley's been awesome. Yeah, and he's done nothing. And that's the thing. Yeah. And if I told you that Jones wasn't really – that he was like wide receiver 11 in PPR points per game, you'd be like, oh, my God, well, then Ridley must be like wide receiver – Four must be like a juju situation with Ridley, like a juju 2018 situation. But right, no, right. it's Austin Hooper because for some reason in this environment, they are funneling the, the low resistance uh, pass attempts to a guy that is really uh, that lacks explosion and, and playmaking ability and true skill level. And that's the reason why the offense sucks right now, but they keep doing it. So you kind of have to just assume that they're going to continue to do it. Right. Or you say, well, you know, maybe they're onto that now. So they lock up Hooper and then blah, blah, blah. But, but who, what defense in their right mind would say, we've got to shut down Austin. Yeah, Hooper. we got to lock down Austin Hooper and let's yeah. ease up on Julio Jones a little bit. <laughs> exactly. I know, but exactly you know what? Right. it's working because the Falcons suck in real life. Exa- you know, well, it's working for the defenses. Yeah, like whatever they're doing, let, letting Hooper run wild is actually working. Right, and yeah. But the thing is, it's the old Al Davis thing, right? We don't take what the defense gives us; we take what we want. Like at some point, the Falcons have to say, "We don't care that you're, you know, trying to take Julio Jones away." It's Julio Jones. He's going right. to catch passes no matter how well you think you're covering him. You're covering him. Well, that poor guy's had a weird several seasons with no touchdowns for a little while. And then finally great. And now we're bleh. Well, he's not, but, bleh. He's good. Yeah, yeah, you know, arguably the best receiver in NFL history. When you look at like, this is guy who's averaging over a hundred yards per game. You know, this was the, uh, only the second time in his career where he's had consecutive games of under 60 yards receiving. Think about that. It's crazy. 60 yards. Like that's not, I'm not saying like 20 yards, right? 60 yards. Second time in his career. That's that's a great stat, by the way. Yeah, that that was in the athletic article. One of them. Mm-hmm. All right. One of them. There you go. That's the quality. <laughs> that's the quality content you get for your subscription, people. Let's get back. Oh yeah. By the way, uh, if you want to subscribe to the athletic, theathletic.com/pbc is actually our code that gives you forty percent off. Um, and it, just to dispel a, a, a I guess that's not a misnomer, but a wrong school of thought. Uh, you're not just subscribing to fantasy. You get all of the athletic. You just come in through the fantasy door. Or actually, you know what? No, you know, go to one of Selfino's articles. If you're paywalled, there's a little link at the bottom that's like, hey, you have 30 minutes to accept this 40% offer. Do that so Selfino gets credit for it. <laughs> but but I'm telling you, seriously, like the the verticals and the and the beat stuff, to have everything in one place is is extremely useful. It's like reading the old Sports Illustrated magazine. Like I, you know, I bought it for this article, but here's the rest of the magazine. Or like or like a combination of that and the old sporting news where back in the day, like we didn't even know what was going on in baseball. We were always a week late in finding out even like what the stats were and what was going on in each market. But they would have the article from every beat writer on each team and you would get a sense living in New York what was going on with like the Angels. Yeah. You know, but you get that obviously every day. Yeah. Oh, we got some good beat writer answers this week, by the way. I took a sneak peek at the story. There's some good stuff. Um, anyway, back to this. Uh, fill in the blank self, you know. I'd trade blank to get Saquon Barkley in PPR right now. And it's more of a philosophical question. Like, I know you're kind of a zero RB guy, so maybe you're not into trading for Saquon Barkley because you work the waiver wire. Um, but if you're just like a normal player, would it be like yeah, a I mean, I just assume, uh, yeah, of course, but I don't think anybody's going to do that. I think would you Michael, would have how about to, Michael Thomas. Uh, um, if the Barkley owner would do that, I would, I would, uh, I would strongly consider it. Now, that's kind of a fair trade because you could assume that Barkley is going to be compromised by his injured ankle. Maybe one of those things where he doesn't play as well as we expect. And then we find out next year in the off season, like, Oh yeah, that ankle was a problem all year. Right. Right. Um, um, always, and plus, always. And plus Thomas is getting breeze back maybe sooner rather than later. Now, you know, if Bridgewater plays three more games, that's going to be a bad situation for Thomas's, uh, uh, return in a situation like that. But, but, you know, to me, like Barkley is not a guy that I would be, 
um, aggressively targeting just because I'm more of a zero running back guy. So I don't want to construct my teams that way and then circle back and then go all in and deplete my other strengths for the premium running back. Uh, now, you know, Barkley was never my RB1. It was always Kamara or McCaffrey. It was somebody who I felt better with their offense. Now, ironically, you know, McCaffrey lost his quarterback and it hasn't affected him at all. He's like, you know, uh, breaking or, or matching records set by Jim Brown. So, I mean, when you're <laughs> when you're matching Jim Brown records, man, you're you're crushing it. Yeah, right. You love McCaffrey. You've loved him since last year so. Well, not really. No, I didn't. I I actually. Oh, you wrote a lot about his volume and everything. Really? Well, I I faded McCaffrey in the early season as a guy that was going to, uh, you know, generate um, perhaps three hundred rushes, and I said that the McCaffrey owner should be very happy with like a hundred catches and 150 rushes now it turned out he got like 220 rushes and 100 catches so i was wrong about that but i think the way that his scoring was structured and continues to be structured with this heavy usage in the passing game is something that is is uh extremely valuable because as i you know one of my other other articles this year, uh, and this is just common sense, but all touches are not the same. Receptions are so much more valuable for a running back than carries. Right. By a, so it's like a 1.69 uh, to one. Oh, that, well, it's, it's, it's like a, in, in, in standard, it's um, in standard, it's, it's uh, almost two to one. But then in half point PPR and full point PPR, the the numbers rise dramatically. So it gets to the point where if you're in PPR, um, you're getting uh, 1.8 points for a uh, on average for a reception versus um, or 1.7 versus uh, 0.43 for a, a rush, a rushing attempt. So, you know, so by the it's way, like four like- one. it's like four to one in PPR. As a, since I edit, I edit a lot of your stuff, Funston and I go back and forth on you know who, who edits you, but um, you're actually the reason I have OJ Howard on a lot of my teams because I, I went Ingram and Howard, and you you had made these great arguments like why aren't you putting one of these great tight ends in your flex? Like no one thinks a tight end is a flex player, but it's a whole new you know breed of tight ends who can do this. Um, so I ended yes. up like, let me get Ingram and Howard in the fifth and sixth. It feels right. Well, the thing the thing about it is is that um, when I do the the end of season rankings, these are not predictive in, in any way, and they're and they're not meant to correlate with where guys are actually drafted in August. But if you just look at end of season scoring, um, tight end one equals wide receiver ten, tight end five equals wide receiver twenty five in PPR. So the the uh, and usually the tight end five slides well below wide receiver 25 or the guy that you think could be tight end five. Now, Howard would have been in that tight end five bucket for me. That hasn't worked out. Um, but then, you know, obviously other guys have worked out. So if you think, for example, say you have Austin Hooper and Travis Kelsey, right? And you're just like, oh, I have two tight ends and, you know, um, I should trade one of these guys. Uh, it's like, no, you should be flexing one of those guys because Austin Hooper right now equals wide receiver 10. So just play him in your flex because there's no way you have wide receiver 10 in your flex. Right. Well, I don't know. I like it. I follow it. Maybe it got me OJ Howard. So yeah, you know, uh, so right process, wrong, wrong, uh, (laughs) wrong guy. Um, Okay. Let's play uh, in blank words. Um, Odell Beckham's the first one in five words. What are you doing with Odell Beckham Jr. the rest of the season? He's he's a hold for me. Uh, I, I'm I'm That's not good. very good. All right. I'm not. I, I I didn't count the words, but m- maybe I nailed it. No, it was. Um, he's a hold for me. <laughs> I, well, you got to count the words, or there's no point in this silly little game. I, my brain can't work that way. You're giving me two things to do, Nando. I'm ch- I'll choke. Um, I, I think Listen, that you can take as long of a pause as you need because Beller can just cut it right out, and you'll sound smart either way. Yeah, but I I, I want to go. I have as somebody who edits a podcast, I have sympathy for for Beller. I want him to be able to just take this file and just post it 
and and run it first take. They call me first take Salfino, by the way. Thanks, Salfino. Um, there's no. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. ch- I'm gonna chime in and say thank you to that. <laughs> but come up um, with a better nickname, man. There's not even alliteration there. Yeah, no, there isn't. And so basically, this this offense is broken right now. Obviously, with the uh, Browns, Mayfield, in my opinion, is being poorly coached. Um, he's being let down by his coaching, I should say, and what they should be doing because he's short and, you know, they need to have a breeze style offense where the passes are generally quicker because you don't want to give the defensive lineman time to get close to his face and his, in his line of sight, because he's not going to be able to see over those guys. And that's why Mayfield is constantly leaking left or right because he just can't see. So you got to put him in the shotgun. And for the most part, and breeze is a great downfield thrower historically, but it's just not the central part of his passing game. It's mostly a quick strike passing offense. And I think that's what they need to do. And Beckham on slants and short passes with his run after the catch ability and his ability to just, you know, split zones with his speed could be just a dynamic threat. And, and also obviously when, when the defense checks um, uh, up and tries to take that away, then he can get over the top and beat them deep. So I I think that there's still a real chance that Beckham uh, can achieve wide receiver five value. One of the things I was uh, kind of referring to in that beat writer rundown that we do every week is um zach jackson it, you know said rashard higgins is coming back this week that should help him and it's so weird like thinking like this how as stacked as these browns are rashard higgins coming back could be key to getting that offense right again it's just uh sad i mean i don't anyway. know if it's going to be personnel driven i think that they're going to have there's there needs to be a change in philosophy they have to move away from the Fire. deeper passing offense and and longer developing pass plays and become more of a quick strike um under 2.5 uh, uh, seconds to to throw offense, which is I think that's like fifty eight percent of NFL passes are two point five seconds or less. It worked for Deshaun Watson, which you wrote about. Yes, thirty eight piece. We haven't plugged yeah, anything in a while. He changed. He changed his rate from last last week from fifty four percent, which is obviously below average, um, to seventy three percent of his passes last week were under 2.5 seconds. That's huge. And he was still going downfield. His average depth of target was actually higher than his average since 2018. Watson, if he could, he's had two games in his career where he hasn't been sacked. He's got 10 touchdown passes and no picks in those games. It's incredible. In four words, what are you doing with Mike Evans? <laughs> we can only, so each one, each question has less words. Yeah. Um, you know, I sent you a rundown. Just no, FYI. no, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I think very surprised. Evans, Evans is a Evans is Evans is a hold as well. Uh, okay. The 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 problem with the Bucks passing game is it's not yet been able to support two wide receivers despite a relatively narrow passing tree. As we mentioned, OJ Howard gets nothing. The backs get very little. You would think that it could feed two offenses. There's no real third wide receiver who's getting action. So, but if you look at the game logs, it's it's one or the other. And this is a common thing. There's very few productive and fantasy wide receiver combos on the same team. I think I did the stats. This is off the top of my head for the Wall Street Journal years, uh, a few years ago. And I think the record setting combo had maybe 30% of their games where they were each over 75 receiving yards. So it's hard to do, you know, where you get both guys going off in the same game. But the the bucks are particularly bad at it so you're never going to know if it's going to be the the goodwin game or the evans game so you just have to play those guys and ride out the volatility cuz they're one, one in one a well here's a segue uh next question in three words just at least try what are you doing with stefan diggs i'm dropping you have one more word if you'd like to use well it. Yes. You know, I, I, like I'm trading, okay? <laughs> because this week is actually um, the plan with Diggs would be against a very suspect uh, Eagles pass defense at home, and it's an Eagles defense that is very good at stopping the run. That this is a game where the Vikings open up their passing offense a little bit 
kind of like they did last week, but even a little bit more in terms of uh, pass percentage, percentage of pass plays. And then it, and that this should be this is the all or nothing game for Diggs. If Diggs doesn't do it this week, and you have to have Diggs in your lineup this week if you own him. But then if he does it, trade his ass. Thielen is the hold there. Diggs is the guy you just got to get rid of. Now, obviously, there's off-the-field issues with Diggs that are complicating his situation because we can't really know if the extent to which he's in the doghouse. He'd be in my doghouse. Would he be in your doghouse, Nando? Well, I don't know. Like, I, like, I, I guess Not like, showing up never, to practice? Like, you they gotta, never explained like, why. They never explained it. No one ever said anything about why it happened or what was going on or, you know, they just, they're just like, okay, it happened. Right. But if you don't come to practice, this is like the army. Like you can't, he's a deserter basically. Like I, I would assume yeah, he's in the well, doghouse. Uh, do they don't call you hyperbolic Michael Selfino? It's first take Michael Selfino. What's <laughs> <laughs> <Is> that? <laughs> no one came up with that one yet? <laughs> I stand by that. Mikey I think that that's the view. Look, I'm not saying that that would be necessarily my view. Like these no, guys I know exactly have a chance. what you're saying. You're right. Yeah, yeah. It's a militaristic op- operation in an NFL team. Let's be real. Uh, if I'm two and four after this week, I'm trading for Stefan Diggs. If I'm three and three after this week, and this is assuming Diggs had a terrible game, like three for 47. Let's say seven three 47, six three 47. I'm trading for Stefan Diggs. Um, if I'm four and two. I might actually still trade for Stefan Diggs. Maybe it's just me, but like, yeah. See, you're you you're in that your true world. you're in that true skill level mode with Diggs. Yeah, that's my problem. Which which I which I completely sympathize with. I think Diggs is an excellent player. I mean, he's a all pro level wide receiver. He should be really good. They also have an arrow passing tree, but they don't want to pass. Well, yeah, and look, Diggs is, and Diggs and Diggs is in the doghouse. Yeah, but a trade now that's more a whole than new ever. system. That's a whole not new if he goes system. to Jacksonville. Not if he goes to Jacksonville and uh, John Filippo. Yeah, no, that's true. But why would Jacksonville want him? They're loaded at wide receiver. They got Westbrook and Chark. Ah, maybe they trade uh, Westbrook and uh, Jalen Ramsey. Ugh, that would be a terrible right, well, trade for Jacksonville. Let me pretend. Uh, okay, but what I'm saying is Jacksonville has really good wide receivers. They don't have a need there. I know. Yeah. Three-team trade. In two words. But, uh, but I, agree, I agree with what you're saying, that that would be a good – a good fit. Maybe the Giants. Yeah. That would be a nice fit. I would like Stefan Diggs on our team. Look, he's an excellent ri- – actually, Emery Hunt is handing in something today about Stefan Diggs, and he asked me how he could upload video. Um, so this is probably going to be very good and a nice breakdown of what's wrong, and maybe that will give some insight into where he can fit in um, if he does get traded. You know, he's an excellent route runner. He's, he can juke. He's, he's got a great juke rate. So I don't know, but I know we're coming off of Amari Cooper, but generally if a guy gets traded at this point of the season, there's going to be a ramp up. That's going to take weeks for, for, for it to, um, uh, for that player to settle in. Right. That would be my expectation. Golden Tate comma Philadelphia Eagle. People forget about that one. Yeah, exactly. Right. And that was a case where they used a guy incorrectly. They made him an outside receiver when he's an inside receiver. Who, by the way, we're doing this on Thursday at about eleven thirty in the morning. Whoa! All right, at about noon. Uh, Golden State. See, that that, that was, the time is flying, Nando, because know, you're so, great, you're it? so captivated by me. It's only supposed to be a thirty-minute show, so okay, whatever. Yeah, let's keep going. I got a couple more questions, but oh, the point is, Golden Tate. Don't no, talk about Golden Tate tonight against the Patriots. I think so many people are so hard on the Patriots. Maybe the Giants keep it close. No. Maybe they got a good game plan for this. You're insane, Nando. I'm not this insane. Is, it's it's football. I this has got to be like no giant should be played. This is the nightmare scenario. I would be shocked if the Giants scored even one offensive touchdown today. I'm gonna say Golden Tate, and I'm gonna say Giants DST with like a punt return touchdown. Well, Something I'm like not. That. You know, I'm not in the business of predicting DST touchdowns, but uh, yeah, no, no, who is? <laughs> In two words, Michael Salfino, what are you doing with Ezekiel Elliott? Trading. I'll, 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 uh, trading him. There you go. That's two okay. words. Thank you. <laughs> I, I think I think the problem with Elliott and Josh Hermsmeyer and I at 538, we kind of like we kind of did like the old wrestling uh, tag team on Elliott this year. He took Elliott apart for his rushing efficiency. And then I took Elliott apart for his receiving efficiency. And you, you could see that the 
Cowboys have made the adjustment in their offense, uh, and usually with very few exceptions, rushing receptions are very poor EV plays, especially on third down. Uh, and that's like expected value. Like the play success on those plays is very poor. So um, they're going away from that. And Elliott is, is kind of a non-factor in the passing game now after seemingly um, being a, a guy that you could count on for, I think most proje- projections had him for around 70 catches, but that's, he's more at best like a 40 catch guy now. And that's a big difference. And those are also, again, the more valuable plays. You know, I don't want to open up this Pandora's box, but the whole point of Pandora's box is opening it. Uh, you know, we were talking about guys here who are not doing what they were expected to do, and almost every single one of them has a new offensive coordinator. So I don't know if like we, we were underrating that in the preseason. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott, new offensive coordinator. Stephen Diggs, new offensive coordinator. Mike Evans, new offensive coordinator. Ola Beckham Jr., kind of a new offensive coordinator. Well, really for him, a new offensive coordinator, but we right. kind of thought we had an idea what Freddie Kitchens was going to do. De- Devontae Adams, even before his injury. Yeah, like this is like this is like just like a whole mess of people with new offensive coordinators, and I don't know if we did we mess this up by being like, well, you know, these head coaches and offensive coordinators, they're not really big on continuity. They're going to change things up pretty hardcore. And we well, knew Minnesota I, I think, was going to run, but like not this much, not to the detriment I, of two wide receivers. I think we assume that change is always going to be good, where sometimes it's it's not good, or or, or takes a while for um, the improvements to actually materialize. The thing that's interesting about the Cowboys situation is they are a much better offense now with their new coaching, and by de-emphasizing Elliott in the uh, receiving game, I think the thing that you have to worry about if you're a Cowboys fan, and and obviously this is the opposite of what you want if you're an Elliott owner, is they had been relying very heavily on first and second down on Elliott running, which is, you know, those are downs where you want to be more aggressive in passing the ball. Right. So um, that's bad for the offense if they continue to do that. And that trend line prior to last week, I don't know what the numbers are for last week was going up every week in terms of uh, Elliott rushes on first and second down as a percentage of plays. I got one more in one word thing, but, this seemed to have backfired. So I'm going <laughs> to skip ahead. And we already touched on Juju Smith-Schuster a little bit anyway. Um, and I think he kind of falls into the same bucket as Stefan Diggs for you. Uh, talent, but weird situation. Well, it, you know, the, the quarterback situation is uh, – I have a, like a quarterback-centric approach to the wide receiver position generally. Right, that's what I wanted so to get few... into. That was the yeah. next question on Devlin Hodges, who Emery wrote a great piece and kind of turned me into a believer, and I grabbed him and – I'm starting him in some super flex and two quarterback leagues. I think he's going to be good for Juju Smith-Schuster. Even the people in the comments were writing like, look, those checkdowns, probably not by design. They're probably Mason Rudolph checkdowns. And Devlin Hodges is a gunslinger by all accounts. The dude's just going to air it out. So wouldn't that benefit Juju Smith-Schuster, 185-yard, two-touchdown game this week with Devlin Hodges as quarterback, Michael Salvino? So so this is a situation where where um, I'm going to say no. Okay. But, but this is a situation where – I'm in the one office, right, in sort of like the analytics department, and then Emery's in the scouting department. Now, I have total respect for what Emery does, and I'm always interested in what he says. And there's a, a very good chance that 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 his takes from a scouting perspective are going to be more valuable than my takes from a modeling perspective. But I am sort of like a prisoner of the modeling where quarterbacks with his type of pedigree, the base rate is just so low for any um, sustainable or significant NFL success that I just discount those guys until they cross that Rubicon with a sample size big enough, like with Minshew, for me to say, okay, I don't care about his pedigree. This guy's just good. Right. So, and you would have said the same thing about Minshew, to be fair. I would right. have. But, right. but, but realize, like, eight times out of 10, I'm going to be right with those right. guys. You know, so, um, but you can't. You know, when the facts change, you have to change your opinions, right? Exactly. That's what I like about you, man. You're willing to be like, okay, I'm going the other way now. Yes. You you never never care about whether you were right yesterday. Always try to be right tomorrow. Yeah, and like you said, like two out of ten times, uh, you're still batting 800 with, with the uh, – Yes. With- now, this the scouting perspective, um, the objective of the scout is to be right 100% of the time even though they, they would all concede that that's not possible. Um, but they don't st- stipulate a, a degree of, of, um, 
uh, error, right? Where the where the modeling person like me, I'm stipulating that I, I go in full well knowing that I'm going to be hopefully right on the 50-50 calls, maybe 60% of the time, you know, and that's good for me. Like, I'll, I'll, I'm very happy to get that, but I'm not trying to like that a, a thousand. Right. And you're very open about that. Yes. And you write three times a week. So, I mean, like, you're, you're, and you're not afraid to be like, this is how I feel. This is what I think is going to happen, which is cool, which makes reading you and I guess editing you, uh, but mainly reading you for people listening, uh, such a treat. Oh, well, I appreciate that, Nando, really. And I, and I love the feedback that I get uh, at The Athletic in the comments. I really enjoy the scouting notebook because that's my chance to me to, to express uh, the, the other side of me. Like, because people always come at me and they did this a lot when I worked at Yahoo. Oh, you got to watch the games, right? And I would tell my wife this, right? Like, <laughs> do you believe that people are saying that I don't watch the games? And she's like, oh right. my God. Because um, I've like watched every game that you could, the, the NFL game that you could watch in my lifetime with her going back, you know, many years now. Um, but look, you know, it's just, it's just the way I think that doesn't mean I don't watch those games and I have subjective opinions and scouty takes all the time. And I love to have a forum like I do with the scouting notebook where I could express that side of myself a little bit. So I appreciate that. That's cool. why it's I, a favorite of mine. I enjoy it. Check out Salfino's work. We got to wrap it up uh, to keep the show tight, you know? Keep yes. it attractive if someone sees it. Yeah. Um, check out Michael Salfino's work on The Athletic. Uh, you know, if you're following fantasy already, you can actually just follow him as an author. Um, I'm pretty sure you're just Michael Salfino on Twitter, but like everyone, yes. you know, if you like him, you're going to Google him anyway, right? At, at Michael Salfino. Yes. Yeah. We'll save you a step. Um, thanks, man. This is fun. This is just like the old time Salfino without this commercials. This is great, though. man. And yeah. look, we got to go. We got to go to the hot grill. I'll get your French fries with gravy. I'm, I'm in. And it looks like a couple other people want in too. So yeah, uh, Ronus, we should yeah, do Ro it. Ronus invited himself, and, and here's Bill the thing: Enright, Here, it was his idea. My father had nothing to do with this, but you—I don't know if you've ever had this in your life, but this is a oddly a Patterson, New Jersey staple. You have to get a hot dog all the way with onions, which is hot dog, deli mustard, chili sauce, raw onion, deep what fried. Onion? The hot dog has to be deep fried too. The whole thing, or just the hot dog? No, just the just that's the hot dog. Don't be crazy, Nando. This isn't I don't a know, stuff. Man. Well, you put deep fried. It's not a, it's not it's not fried butter or Oreos. No, just the <laughs> hot dog that's fried. My uh, so my dad grew up in Newark, and his Dicky D's is like his thing, and we do the Italian hot dog, which is you know hot dogs, two hot dogs in an Italian roll with like a, I think I want to say like peppers and potatoes. You should ask your dad if he ever heard of Falls View and uh, Texas Wiener in, in in New Jersey. Like I'm sure he has. I'm sure he has. He's he's he loves his New Jersey. So you're gonna so you know that's the thing. You're gonna have two hot dogs all the way and French fries with gravy. That's your lunch, Nando. I'm ordering it for you. My I mean, treat. Yeah, that's not, it's not like you're yeah. It's like anything out of the ordinary? No, I'll do that. That's fine. By <laughs> me. That works for me. Um, but thanks, man. This is really cool. Thanks for jumping on and doing the show with us. And uh, hey, and, hey, you, you got Beller to talk, so that was great too. We did. It. We, yeah. we, drew, we drew him out of the cellar. <laughs> there he is. Uh, one Take Selfino. If you have new nickname suggestions, please hit us up at The Athletic FS uh, and let, let us know. I'm sure there's got to be something better out there. But uh, thanks, Mike, man. This is always a good time.